0: Welcome to Browns Film Breakdown, I'm your host Jake Burns, writer for the OBR, coming at you on a victory Monday, um, the Browns, as you all witnessed, hopefully watching it, you were able to, uh, maybe some of you got to the stadium, uh, they came across, uh, I think, really well in this game, they won 41-24, to there's not, um, you know, there's not a ton to to really nitpick here, I think there's a ton of praise that can be heaped upon some guys I thought who played really well. But a good collective team win and a game that I thought, um, if you saw my tweet going into it, had the opportunity to be a, um, you know, a game in which the Browns could sleep through or take too easy. I think Miami has been pesky lately. Um, I always thought that, you know, these sorts of games on the road bring a heightened sense of awareness for um your team you know you're traveling you're collectively together you're you're together multiple days away from distractions and uh you know the family life and all of that stuff i think you get it at home it can be a little less um you know a little less focus can happen there but i was glad to be wrong about that the brown seemed very focused from the jump they know the task at hand whether that was the thursday night melee that brought them together raised their awareness they were not going to sleep through really their first game with um you know with a defense that is pretty bad i think miami's obviously if you look at their depth chart and you can as a as a sort of novice fan or even a, a fan who thinks they know a lot about the nfl if you can name seven eight of those guys and feel comfortable telling anything about them I would be stunned because there were quite a few times where I was looking at things for Miami and I had no clue who they were and had to do some digging and some uh, um, seeking out some knowledge and all that stuff about who these guys were I expected the Browns to handle business but my pessimistic side said that it could be a game that um, like many Miami games is they've won two of their last three and and uh, the three games before that were hanging around, whether it was with Pittsburgh when they actually traveled to Buffalo. They're hanging around with teams and, uh, in sort of an annoying fashion and, and making you think that if you don't get it together that you might have some problems, and I think um, they can steal a game. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick was undefeated in Cleveland, which was another annoying statistic, but Miami was so depleted. They're so injury-riddled. Their entire secondary is decimated by injuries. Their offensive line, who's not very talented to begin with, also decimated by injuries. They cannot run the football. Um, I have It is hard-pressed to find a team with less talent than Miami in the last few years. Now, somehow, they have figured out a miracle way to win a couple games, which makes you look back at the 2017 Browns and just scratch your head all the more about going 0-16 with that team. But... That's neither here nor there. We're not going to dwell on that. Was a really good win for the Browns. Talking numbers, as we always do to start... Um, you know Miami was anemic rushing the football as they have been the entire season they just cannot run the football with any consistency they only run for 92 yards their leading rusher was Ryan Fitzpatrick yes the ancient Ryan Fitzpatrick ran for 45 yards which was a little annoying in and of itself losing some run sorry rush lane discipline on occasion allowing him to bust open a couple runs a 17 yard run and then a touchdown run of about 12 yards too he runs for 45. Patrick Laird runs three times for 20 yards, the guy they should probably be giving the ball to most. Kalen Bellage their leading carrier, seven carries, 13 yards. He continues to be one of the least productive runners in the entire NFL. And then Miles Gaskin, the Washington product, four carries, 10 yards. The Browns shut them down. The 92 yards was sort of just a de facto of a ton of plays. They were in 63 total plays. They did throw the ball relatively okay. Uh, 21-39 for Fitzpatrick, 214 yards, a couple touchdowns, but also a couple interceptions that were big for the Browns. Devontae Parker, 11 targets, 6 catches, 91 yards. Allen Hearns, 7 uh, targets, 4 catches, 42 yards. It's nice to see Devontae Parker sort of rounding into form a little bit. There was some question about his long-term ability in the NFL, but he seems to be coming along nicely with Fitzpatrick and maybe carry that into whoever they um, replace Fitzpatrick with next year, whether that's somehow Josh Rosen, maybe I don't know, or whoever they draft, we'll see. Uh, Mike Dusecki continues the the tight ends making impactful plays against the Browns. He had a, uh, three catches for 28 yards and a touchdown. I started him in fantasy. I mean, until proven otherwise, I'm going to continue to start Browns. Um, you know, opposing tight ends against the Browns in, in fantasy, it's con- you know it's worked out well for me. Defensively for Miami, um, Gotcho their defensive tackle at seven total tackles. He did have a half a sack. Um, Parker had seven tackles. Jerome Baker, Ohio State product, had seven tackles. Uh, Christian Wilkins, the the first round pick from Clemson, had six tackles. Otherwise, Miami, very underwhelming performance defensively. Looking at the Browns, they had Nick Chubb, 21 carries, 106 yards and a touchdown. That guy just continues to be the steady, leadership-driven workhorse. He doesn't have to say anything. He's an introvert. But man, does he just he just takes what's given and he makes plays when he gets an opportunity? He's uh he's we're just lucky to have him as a member of this team. He's such a steady presence right now. Kareem Hunt, nice to see him get in the end zone there. The last touchdown of the game. It was relieving for him, I'm sure, to finally punch him in the end zone in Cleveland. His family's involved, all of that. Eight carries, 37 yards, and that one touchdown. Nice day for Baker Mayfield. I just wrote up a lengthy article here at the OBR on seven of his better and worse throws uh, on the game kind of breaking those down giving you an inside look at what those look like plus a bonus throw if you get a chance to read that that'll tell you about his day overall very impressed 24 of 34 327 three touchdowns one pesky interception on a poorly mechanical throw um that i talk about in that uh in that in that uh in that write-up so if you get time check that out i'll explain to you what that scheme was and, and why it went south for mayfield and uh um, you know, but otherwise, a really good day for him. I think he's bounced back these last five weeks. I think he's played winning football. Only a couple interceptions. I think he's up to eight or nine touchdowns. He's he's played better. He's played like the guy we think he can be. He can he's still, you know, left a window open for a lot of improvement. He can certainly continue to get better. He can certainly continue to get more precise with the football, and that's what we hope to see. But I think we've seen some better things from the start of the year, where it looked like an absolute disaster. And um, hopefully we continue as the defenses do lighten up. The last half of the year, the Browns faced a ridiculous gauntlet. Didn't take, you know, numbers geniuses to figure out that these guys are playing really good defenses based on, um, you know, strength of schedule and all of that stuff. They they played some of the NFL's top ten defenses, most of the NFL's top ten defenses. So they were they were due, to, due for some regression to the mean here. Um, Jarvis Landry another stellar day, thirteen targets, ten catches, one hundred forty eight, two touchdowns. I don't know what more I can say about him. Love Odell Beckham. But I think Jarvis has been uh, far and away the best receiver, most consistent receiver, most consistent leader over the past two years. Look, the contract might be a bit steep, but they're lucky to have him. They have an out if they want to take it and they can restructure maybe. I don't know. But he's an important part of what they do. And Baker really continues to try to find him, um, whether that's organic or whether that's just you know forced through scheme. I don't know. But most of the time, it feels like Baker's finding him, and he is not only taking over the mantle as the most talented receiver as he was last year, but he's also taken now the mantle of being a guy that Baker connects with in a way that he connected last year with what felt like Rashard Higgins. He has sort of uh, put that connection to to Jarvis Landry, and we've seen it unfold in some really big games. Odell Beckham had eight uh, eight targets, six catches, eighty four yards, and a touchdown. A nice little over route there um, for an easy touchdown. I thought he was pretty sure handed all day. Did a nice job. That one. Uh, interception there hit his backhand but that's an impossible catch when you're running a slant and your full momentum is running into the middle of the field and you have to reach all the way back you can only get one hand on the ball anyway um, due to physics of trying to you know reach your body and, and fight the force of your momentum that ball is not on him that's on Mayfield um, but overall I thought a really good game for Modell we're still do we're still do a blow up game for Modell Beckham I still think it's going to happen at some point maybe this week. That'd be lovely. Um, Nick Chubb had three catches, 58, nice little screen play that got him a chunky yards. Um, Demetrius Harris had two for 20. Kareem Hunt had two for nine. Uh, Stephen Carlson caught a little boot action and caught a a ball there for eight yards. Defensively, Demarius Randall with a better game had six uh, total tackles. Uh, Chad Thomas had five tackles, a couple for loss. I thought he was fine. The pass rush was about as mediocre as I expected it to be, uh, which was You know, a little bit slower, pretty average overall. Um, Guys that don't get upfield and don't beat one-on-ones very often, they need a little bit better protection from the secondary to make plays, uh, especially make sacks. TJ Carey had a blitz sack. Porter Gustin had a sack there, along with Brian Cox. But the Browns had to really generate pressure through blitzing which is what I figured they do. They didn't do much, but I think they're going to save that for Pittsburgh this week, whoever starts a quarterback. There's going to be a significant increase in offensive line talent, even without Pouncey. Um, they're going to still be a big upgrade from what Miami put on the field. So whoever starts a quarterback, whether that's you know Devlin Hodges or uh, – um, you know Mason Rudolph. I think the Browns are going to have to generate through some different sorts of schemes. But if they do get, I mean, they automatically are going to get Larry Ogunjobi back, which will be important. If they can get Olivier Vernon back, that'll be pretty vital too, because Olivier is a significant increase um, in ability. I thought Sheldon Richardson did a nice job. Had uh, had a couple sacks of his own. Had um, you know phenomenal game. I think he's doing a little bit more in. He kind of has been the jack of all trades for this group, which has been good to see and has been a really big boost for them from about week five on, has started to play really good football and uh, worth the investment that Browns put into him. Again, Joe Schobert, five tackles and, um, you know, two interceptions. He's He has the most uh, interceptions for any linebacker above 90 tackles this year, has come on in the last three weeks. I started to have a little bit of questions about where his year was going, but in the last three or four weeks has really, really turned it on and been in a, you know, as vital a cog in this defense as anybody, and that includes 95. So uh, he continues his trend of great play. They'll need more great play from him the rest of the way. And uh, I'm excited for Joe. I'm excited for his future in Cleveland, and hopefully they can lock him into a deal because they need a face of that defense. I think Miles was the face of the defense and can still be, but they need a guy who's got that clean cut in terms of no issues off the field, And um, I think, you know, Joe is going to be that guy. It was kind of before the year, like, was Demarius Randle going to play his way into another deal here? It hasn't really happened. I think they need a leader of the defense um, in terms of being that guy who is the uh, voice of the defense, calls plays, has a feel for what the – You know, the goal is from the coaching staff, understands what everybody's doing. And really, your Mike Linebacker is your quarterback of the defense. So, um, Schobert is probably the guy that they will invest in, and I feel good about that. Greedy Williams was picked on a little bit. I'm going to have to look at the numbers when Pro Football Focus puts them out. But uh, he's got to just trust his technique. He's got to be more physical with the line of scrimmage, trust his technique, and uh, get his body in the right positions to make plays on guys when they cut. He's got the ability. He's got the twitch ability, but he's just a step slow right now. That can happen to rookies. Um, occasionally Denzel Ward I thought played his butt off he continues to do really well covering his side of the field Um, you know running all across the field doing some great things Uh, I enjoyed that if you look at the total numbers for the game um, you know the Browns averaged seven yards a play which was which was fantastic only got themselves in eight third downs where they were 50 percent four of eight 67 total offensive plays 147 net rushing yards 320 passing yards only seven eh, average day seven penalties 70 yards Uh, One turnover, like we mentioned, Mayfield. They only had one punt, which was good to see. Five touchdowns on the day and uh, 36 minutes of possession to Miami's 23. The defense held Miami to 284 total yards, only a four and a half yards uh, a play. 92 net rush, 192 pass. uh, Pretty solid day. uh, Created two turnovers. You feel pretty good about that. So if you go through the play uh, by play, I thought the Browns did a great job in the first half of jumping out, getting after the quarterback a little bit, but certainly... Completely bottling up the Miami running game to the point that they're putting Miami in tough third downs and uh, we're getting off the field where Miami only went six of 14 and many of those third down conversions happened in the third and uh, fourth quarter when the game kind of felt like it was drifting away so uh, I feel pretty good about that the uh, you know to go into halftime 28 to three you feel great about the Browns position at that point especially um, you know sort of where they were uh, clicking offensively a little bit of run game a little bit of a Um, You know, opportunistic, advantageous passing game felt really good about that. Especially uh, some of those deep shots they were able to take with Mayfield, and uh, connecting with Odell, and then and then some of the screen game stuff too. Because I think screen game is going to be vital, uh, vital next week for sure. So um, yeah, you felt good about going in twenty-eight nothing. Sorry, twenty-eight to three. he kind of come out of halftime, which is 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 a letdown. I thought the second half they were kind of at some points I thought they were embarrassing themselves especially when they got the ball, completed that 15-yard throw, then they were intercepted, Miami marches down the field, um, you know, hitting, kind of picking on Greedy Williams, you know, that 21-yard pass to DeMonte Parker, and then the Giusecki 11-yard touchdown, Cleveland gets it back, uh, is able to get it down to the Miami 27, where they kick a field goal, and Austin Seibert misses the 46-yard field goal, I'm a little shaky on Austin, man, he's doing a good job overall, I think, he's got to figure out that dog pound breeze, because that ball looked true, and then it pushed it right, it's just a it's just a wicked tornado down that way. So hopefully he can continue to kick as often as possible in that stadium because they're not there that often. They're in Berea. Um, hopefully he can keep getting in that stadium and and, uh, and and be money. Like 48 and in, you know, they're going to need big kicks probably um, in the 50-yard range. But but I, I can accept a kicker who's money from about 48 and in. I mean, you're asking somebody to kick – you know, 50-plus yarders, maybe he grows into being able to do a couple things to get up to that 50-53 range, but if he can be money 48 and in, that's what we need. The last two weeks he's been inconsistent from that range, which is not good, and um, they're going to need those kicks in big moments, and I think if he wants to be the future here in Cleveland, they're going to have to be able to get that from him. Miami comes back out, though, off that missed field goal, um, capitalizes with an 11-play 64-yard drive that spans four total minutes and a little bit frustrating because that makes this game uh, feel closer, right? A couple big plays to Devontae Parker, and um, I think they got helped by an unnecessary roughness penalty on... on uh, they, I think they called it on Mac Wilson, but in the game they called it on Demarius Randall I, I, leading with the helmet. Kind of felt fluky to me, an unnecessary roughness call there to extend a drive. You know, I, you'll have that in these sorts of games, uh, whatever, but for the most part... I was, I was a little let down with how they came out because they were unable to finish that long drive uh, before the missed field goal, which was which was frustrating because they took a sack where Chris Hubbard gets blown up off the right side, um, you know, put into Mayfield's lap when I thought he had a couple opportunities for some nice throws. But, um, you know, it goes to 28-17. I was very curious how the offense would respond starting the fourth quarter, and they responded well. They went 10 plays, 64 yards, big plays on the drive. Um, you know, he had, a, he had a, a short left throw to Demetrius Harris for 12 yards, uh, m- kind of marched with a couple intermediate gains, and then they, they throw a fade down the left side from the slot to Odell that gets called for a penalty um, that, that puts them down at the Miami 25. Incomplete pass down the middle. Uh, and then Kareem Hunt has a short run. They end up missing Kadero Hodge on a scramble play right. But they end up getting a field goal, making it 31-17, Cyber kicking opposite the dog pound, gets a 40-yard field goal that he nails, which, was, uh, which is good to see him bounce back. Miami gets it. Um, they end up punting it. Cleveland gets it back. They're able to go eight plays, 67 yards. They get it down there once again into the red zone um, due to uh, illegal use of hands that helped them out on a second and nine puts it down uh first and 10th to miami 11 they have an incomplete pass to ricky seals jones um, which i wrote about uh, a little bit high and then uh baker misses richard higgins on what should have been a touchdown on a corner out to the left side miami's scrambling they're late to get over and get aligned missed that throw so it's unfortunate because that should have been his fourth touchdown throw of the day and baker noted that afterwards in the uh and, you know, his presser that he missed that ball should have put it on the pylon. I was talking about that. And that goes back to the argument of accurate versus precise. And I thought he was accurate there, but a precise ball is up over the top of that into that far corner so the DB can't undercut it. But to kick another field goal, so it goes 34-17. Um, you know, not much time remaining. I think only about six minutes left. Miami gets it back. They they get pressure on Fitzpatrick, push him out to the right side. And uh, and then uh, the second interception by Joe Schobert returns it down to, I think, the Miami 28. You get a Nick Chubb 17-yard run. Uh, Mayfield tries to find Demetrius Harris. I, I got to look back at this play. This ball is the one that hits off the helmet um, and-, and ends up springing right to somebody. It's- it continues to feel like every tip ball ends up in a defender's hand. It's the most bizarre thing I have ever seen from a quarterback that I pay really close attention to, how bad the luck is. Like I'm pretty sure there are some... Uh, some stats out there about guys who throw interception-worthy plays. That's what the best thing to pay attention to is not necessarily interception totals because there can be some flukes in there where things aren't the quarterback's fault, whatever, whatever, but paying attention to interception-worthy plays, plays at which the defense has a chance um, through a bad decision or a bad throw by the quarterback to make a play on the football. That tells you how many bad throws a quarterback is making, not the raw interception data. Um, It's just been crazy how many – throws that aren't even turnover-worthy throws or getting tipped or dropped or whatever going right into defender's hands. It's, it's literally wild. So um, I don't have those. It's unfortunate I don't have those numbers in front of me. But anyway, Miami returned it down to like the 31 of Cleveland, but it's called back for that unnecessary roughness uh, at that time. But, um, you know, Cleveland is able to punch the ball, and they get a touchdown from Nick Chubb a couple plays later, five-yard run, his one touchdown on the day, four plays, 38 yards. is the total tally there. Then with about three minutes left, Miami goes on this annoying 17 or sorry, 7 seven play, 78-yard touchdown drive that makes the score look like it wasn't as big a blowout as it even looks at 41-24. But at that point, it was whatever just get out of the game, get healthy, go to the next one. Overall, guys, I feel good about this game. I know there's some points in which it wavered, and there were some embarrassing moments of effort in the second half and some weird decisions. I'm not sometimes Freddie's throwing it in the second half, and I'm kind of like, do you need to throw it? But at the same time, I get it. They want to be able to call plays, you know, that they feel like their quarterback can execute. And, and, um, it, it's, it's, it is what it is. They need to keep working on those things, the timing, um, how that all shakes out. They're doing a ton of RPOs offensively. Um, you know, I'm going to try to highlight that this week if I can find time with the holiday. I'm going to try to highlight, as, uh, John Stephenson, you know, all 22 Chalk Talk discussed the, uh, uh, Tampa 2 that they're using where they're running Schobert deep middle to tr- to sort of take away deep deep middle activity against you know t- any cover two the the weaknesses deep middle and they're doing a great job running Joe down the middle they did a lot last year I think they're doing it in a different way this year it's going to be a fun thing to look at if we can find some time if there's not too much turkey we'll have to see how that all shakes out but a fun win a fun win anytime you can score 40 points it's the second time in the season they've scored 40 they haven't done that since uh, 2007 back in the old uh, um, you know Braylon Edwards and Derek Anderson and all that run. It's um, it's a marred time due to Kellen Winslow's history, but uh, recent history, I should say. But nonetheless, it's it's fun to see them doing those things. It's fun to see them uh, with a chance to go to Pittsburgh for a sweep of Pittsburgh for the first time and. I think since the 1985 season, I could be wrong. I know it's in the 1980s, and they have a chance to go three and zero in the division. Two games with Cincinnati remaining. I've, if you follow me or you pay attention to the things I say on Twitter, God help you. First off, otherwise I continue to say six and six. When they lost that game to Denver, which is one of the more unsettling losses because it's just it's just unfathomable they lost that game. If they could get to 6-6, six and six, which at the time seemed so steep because they had to beat Buffalo, who was playing really well, and that means they had to beat Pittsburgh twice, who was in the midst of a winning streak. If they could get to 6-6, six and six, that means they could go to, um, you know, the last four games, two in which were against uh, – Cincinnati and and then the game you know on the road against Arizona is still going to be a challenge but a game that is you know a game that Cleveland has clearly more talent than and then you're kind of flipping the coin at home against Baltimore if you get to 8 and 6 and host Baltimore week 16 you're like that's a big game uh you can get to 9 and 6 and you can really feel like the the playoffs are within grasp at that point so listen, get to six and six. This is a swing game. I I equated it to last year's Texans game when they were in the hunt at that point, making their second half run. They, they, they blew that game in the first half with three turnovers and poor play on the both sides of the football. Hopefully this is different. Pittsburgh's going through a change at quarterback. They're really trying to find out if they have any identity offensively. Doesn't feel like they do. They might get Juju back this week. They might. I know Deontay uh, Johnson came back, but they're still short, James Conner. I don't know what their identity is, but they're a mess. But this is gonna be a as big a rivalry game as the Browns have had in a long time. You know, an AFC North rivalry game with everything on the line for both teams. Pittsburgh beat Cincinnati, so they went to six and five. If the Browns can, can win and get to six and six the same as Pittsburgh, Buffalo still is a tough stretch coming up and they have the advantage of that head-to-head win. Um, Tennessee, we got to pay close attention to because they have the head-to-head with Cleveland. But the Raiders lost; they'll continue to lose. I think that's a fraudulent team. Listen, get to six and six; everything can sort itself out from there. Win the games on your schedule; let the rest take care of itself. If you get to ten and six, you really should make the playoffs. Nine and seven, it gets dicey and it's probably you're in the outside looking in due to some head-to-head stuff. But, you know, one game at a time. I I've, I've, I really hope they can get to that 6-6 six and six number and have four games um, worth of really good uh, advantages to, to, to play it and flip the coin and see what happens. So I'm excited. They took care of business. They got a big one Sunday. It's going to be a really interesting rivalry game with so much passion tied into just what happened, um, you know, not even two full weeks ago. So, you know, Football in November that's meaningful. It's really cool. I'm hoping you guys are enjoying it like I'm enjoying it. Finding the silver lining after a tough start. Finding the fun that is in winning football games three in a row. They can win another one. That'd be a full month without losing a football game, a four-game winning streak. We'll be feeling really good about ourselves. But until then, enjoy your Thanksgiving, guys. Enjoy your time with family. It's so precious. We don't get enough of it. We spend too much time working. We don't get enough time with our immediate family, let alone our extended family. So take advantage. Have fun. Enjoy that time with the family. Eat tons of turkey. Eat tons of mashed potatoes. Get the corn pudding. Eat all that weird stuff you eat, like that nasty green bean casserole. You can come at me about this take. I don't touch the yams. There's things that I don't even consider. But you probably do, and that's great. So enjoy those things. Enjoy the time with your family. I truly, truly appreciate that you take the time out of your day to listen to this podcast and listen to me talk about the Browns. It means more to me. Than you will ever know, and I really genuinely appreciate appreciate that, and I'm thankful that you give me the time uh, through whether through social media or whether through listening to this podcast or reading my stuff at the OBR. Uh, I, I thank you for that. So, until we convene again late this week, probably we'll have something out by Friday, or maybe even late Thursday. We'll see how the travel situation goes between here and my family and the wife's family and all of that stuff. We'll hopefully get a Steelers preview up by Thursday or Friday like we normally do. And um, until then, guys, we will reconvene with the preview of the Steelers and then hopefully have a fun discussion late Sunday night after that Steelers game. Be thankful. Have a great Thanksgiving. I appreciate all of you, and go Browns.